Welcome to the Equipers Church Budapest podcast. We hope today's message will encourage and inspire you. For more information, check equiperschurch.au. Well, we started the series called Awaken um, two Sundays ago, and we're talking about, you know, uh, church being as a bride, but not a bride who, who is a sleeping beauty, like in the cartoon, the church is not a bride as a sleeping beauty, but we are a bride that is fully awake, fully awake and fully aware of Jesus, the bridegroom. Amen? Yeah, so that is the picture of the church that we see in the Bible. Now is the time to be fully on, to be fully awake. Because uh, God is moving all across the globe. You know, I love to say that we are not waiting for a move of God. We are a move of God. Amen. We are a part of what God is doing across the globe. We are a part of that. We are not just uh, observing from a distance what God is doing somewhere far away. And some of you guys from the distant nations, you are representing what God is doing. And I love the stories from Africa and from Asia and from the, uh, I don't know, distant parts of the world and, and, the, and the South America uh, sections of, of this world. But hey, I want to see God move here. And right now, we, we see that happening all across the globe. But I, my heart is God, do it here. Do it now. Touch us and through us. Touch the city. And through the city, touch the other parts of this nation. And touch the other parts of this world. Amen. Amen. God is the same all across. And He's the same today as He was years ago. Yeah, come on. And God is doing something fresh right here. We are not in a passive mode waiting. We are in an active mode expecting and participating in what God is doing. You know, I love what we were singing just a few minutes ago. Your presence, the sweetest. Your presence, the sweetest. Now, you know, and during this fasting time, I'm not touching any sweets. The presence of God is the only sweet thing I eat. Your presence, the sweetest. So Jesus, we invite you right now to speak to us tonight. We are hungry as ever. We are thirsty as ever. After you, after your presence, after your nourishment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody can say amen. Amen. Oh, you're doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Well, tonight uh, I'm going to touch on another part of this series, and I, I've simply called this Encountering His Presence. Encountering His Presence. You know, we are a church that loves the presence of God. Amen. We are a church that loves, values, honors, cherishes, welcomes the presence of God. You know, when He walks into the room, everything changes. Without Jesus in the room, this would be just religion. But with Jesus in the room, everything changes. All of a sudden, things shift. People are set free. Peace comes and freedom comes. Salvation comes. Healing comes. Freedom comes when He enters the room. When the presence of God enters the room. Things shift and change. 
and nothing is the same anymore. See, my life has been truly transformed by encounters, by life-changing, transformative experiences in the presence of God. Some of them were alone in prayer. Some of them I experienced alone by myself, maybe behind the piano in my room, just worshiping Jesus. Or reading the Word of God and all of a the sudden there was a fresh revelation. It was like the Word hit me from the pages of the Scripture. Some of those were just like walking outside in the nature, walking in the woods and just worshiping Jesus there. Or more recently, this last summer, on our summer vacation, eating a wonderful meal at the beach. And the sunset was falling at the shore and I had a tear in my eye. And I'm like, Jesus, you are so amazing. It sounds provocative in January when we are fasting. You know? <laughs> but I truly had my own encounter. I'm like, Jesus, do it again right now. <laughs> so, you know, and at those moments when I had my own encounters with the presence of God by myself, I write songs. I have written many songs, many songs that we do not sing publicly. They're just my songs for God. I love those. You know, David wrote many songs. He probably didn't know that we would be reading them in the Bible. <laughs> I want to encourage you to write songs for God. Maybe we'll never sing them, but that's all right. They're your songs. You get the copyright. Or, or and other times, I just, I just get fresh revelation, biblical revelation, inspiration from the scripture. And it's like the word, the word of God comes alive. It's for me only. It's not, it's not the sermons I preach. It's just for me. It's just my own food, my own spiritual meal for my own nourishment. It does good to my soul. It refreshes my soul. I, when I have those transformative moments with the presence of God by myself, I am so much better after that. Some of those moments that changed my life happen in corporate gatherings. When the Holy Spirit moves and I respond to what He does corporately and when we gather as a church you know Jesus said that that whenever two or three meet together in my name I am in the midst of them did you know that Jesus is in the house tonight he's not just like part of the crowd he's the, at the very center he, this is a Christocentric gathering tonight he is here you know, when he comes and he moves and he does something, my response is always yes. That's like my, I've, I have developed that over the years for that to be my natural response. Whatever you say, my answer is yes. Try that. You know, I've, I've often struggled and... Um, Ah, it wasn't good. Like, you know that when God is asking for something and you're like, I wish I could say yes, but I'd rather say no. Like the rich young ruler in the Bible, you know, Jesus is like, hey, come on. 
You seem to be a nice guy. How about you sell all your possessions and give to the poor? And then follow me. Did, did it ever hit you that he got the same invitation as the other 12? He could have been one of the apostles. He could have been one of the authors of the gospels. He could have walked the path with Jesus and be there at the resurrection with him. But he said, I'd rather not. So when, when Jesus enters the room and he moves corporately, I, I say yes. Whatever you say, Jesus, my response is yes. How many yes people we have in the crowd tonight? I love that. And then there is the after time. What I mean by that is when he moves corporately in church, you know, there is, there is the worship session and we always do that. We praise, I, you know, I may not be the youngest guy in the crowd, but I dance every Sunday. Uh, I uh, throw my three-digit uh, weight into the air. And I jump and dance every Sunday. That's a secret code there. You will find me praising like crazy and worshiping Jesus every Sunday. Just because he's worthy. And then there is the preaching time. Every Sunday we preach because, you know, it's not just the thing we do in church. But it's all about the word of God. And... Uh, I say yes to that. I say yes when we praise. I say yes when we preach. But then there is a special time after that we often just kind of like ignore or we just go through that. And that is the response time. When I respond. We sing, we pray, and we linger. In other words, before you go into the busy Monday, after God has spoken to you, there is a time to respond. And see, this is a discipline we have to develop. It's like when, when God speaks to you and he, he, he provokes you, and hopefully He does that tonight. When He provokes you, there is a time for you to respond. And you linger. And you let the Word of God shift you and move inside of you and you respond. Some just need to come to the front and linger in the presence of God. Stay in the presence of God just a bit longer. Some of you will need to make life-changing decisions after the Sunday message and you come to the front and you surrender. Some of you get your miracle after the message when the presence of God is here and your life changes forever. You know, I've made life-changing decisions based on those moments in my life. I can say for myself, I love the presence of God. Whether it's time in His presence, just me solo, me and Jesus, or the corporate gatherings. And we are, and speaking for the church, we are a church that loves the presence of God. You know, the second thing I want to say tonight is that there is a difference between, listen carefully, the presence of God and the presence of God. There is a big difference between the presence and the presence. You know, theologically, we understand that God is, and this is a big word, omnipresent. Meaning, 
You find God everywhere. 24-7 all across the globe. Simultaneously right now in Budapest, but also in the Arctic Circle. He is right there, right now. You know, I mean, he is at multiple places at the same time. I try to copy him. I'm not there yet. But I try. I do my best. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, he is everywhere. Theologically, we understand that God is omnipresent, meaning we cannot escape his presence. This is what the Bible says in the book of Psalms 139. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your, help me out, presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. In other words, he's like, I am fully cornered. I cannot escape your presence. Your presence is everywhere. You are omnipresent. You are everywhere. There's no way I can escape your presence. So God is everywhere. That is his divine attribute. But friends, it is such a blessing to be able to differentiate between his Objective presence as the theological fact and his manifested presence, his revealed presence. Now, there are moments when God simply reveals his presence to us so that we are partially exposed to it. The best way I can describe it is that there is a difference between air and uh, the wind. Air is everywhere. All right? Wind is when air is in motion. When air is stirred. When air is moving. That is the wind. And the Spirit of God, the Bible says, He's like the wind. We have no idea where it comes from. We have no idea where He's going. But we know He's in the room. He is moving. He's shifting. We can actually feel the breath of God. The wind of God. That's what happened at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit invaded the upper room. He came as, as the wind. There is a difference between the presence as a theological fact. And the presence. The manifest, revealed presence of God. And when that happens, I stop and I say yes. Who is with me? Another thing I want to say that there is, and I'm doing, I'm purposefully doing some teaching today, and we, we kind of want to <clears throat> fall in love with the presence of God during this Awakened series. So hopefully uh, by the end of tonight, you will be more in love with the presence of God. Here's another thing. There is a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament revelation on the presence of God. How many know that the Bible actually has two parts? The Old Testament. You are incredibly intelligent. I love that. 
<clears throat> See, in the Old Testament, and this is a big one, there were single occasional encounters with the presence of God. There were single occasional encounters with the presence of God. For, I'm going to give you a few, few examples. Um, in the garden, God would visit Adam. And he would walk with him. That, that was really special, right? But we were not there. Then later, we see that Enoch walked with God. He encountered the presence of God in a personal way. But I wasn't there. Then he was visible to Abraham as a human being. He came to Abraham in a form of a human. But I wasn't there. Then he showed himself to Jacob. And Jacob saw the heavens open. Angels coming up and down. And he had a beautiful encounter with God. But I wasn't there. Then he showed himself to Moses in a fire. First of all, in a bush that was burning, but God never burned. And Moses is like, this is interesting. It's, a, it's like a fireworks, you know. I mean, what's, what's that? And he comes and, he, and God speaks to him from the burning bush. And, and this was just a precedence for Moses because then on many occasions he encountered that. There was a pillar of fire later through Moses' life that actually then divided the Red Sea. And Moses had those encounters with the presence of God in a powerful way. And then he revealed himself to Solomon in a cloud of fire. And it was like a cloud of glory that filled the temple so much that they could not actually minister in the temple. And then later he, he, uh, he came to Elijah and the presence of God came to Elijah as a fire that came from heaven that basically burned the sacrifice on the altar. And then he showed himself to Isaiah in this amazing encounter where he saw the heavens open and God sitting on the throne. My favorite one is how God showed his presence to Ezekiel. It was like UFO. He saw a flying, um, unidentifiable flying object that had wheels and wings and moved and you know what I'm talking about, right? And he's like, what is this? And he realizes this is the glory of God moving around. He couldn't, he couldn't describe it. It was the glory of God, the presence of God. And then he showed his presence to Mary as a shadow. And Jesus was conceived. In the Old Testament, uh, th those were single occasional encounters with the presence of God. Now, in the New Testament... There is a slight difference. We have the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, residing inside of us. And this is a beautiful shift from the Old Testament. It's not just like occasionally, once in 200 years, the presence of God will fall on one individual somewhere in the Orient. All of us that are the children of God are carriers of the presence of God because the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. Now, somebody should be excited about this. 
The presence of God is inside of us. Now he came on the day of Pentecost. He invaded the planet. And rested on all of those that were gathered. Good news. Bad good news. He left the heavens open. After the Holy Spirit came, Jesus didn't go like, okay, let's close the heavens back. Let's zip it up again. He left it open. The presence of God is fully available to us. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus died, the veil was torn and we have the access to the presence of God. See, the trouble is we have to learn to be aware of His presence, to cultivate His presence, and to steward His presence. Because, the, the, you know, there are special times, like, yeah, we are curious of His presence, but there's, there's also special moments, special times, when God simply shows up with a special agenda. So there is a big difference between the Old and the New Testament revelation about the presence of God. Then, another thing I want to say tonight, as we go through this, we have to, uh, as the people of God, we have to learn to camp around the presence of God. I love this expression, camping around the presence of God. Um, Going back into the Old Testament, there is a, there is a uh, period in the history of Israel when they were in the desert. They left Egypt and they were in the desert. And Moses, uh, you know, he had a very crucial job. He had to get them out of Israel and then he had to build the tabernacle so that the presence of God would be hosted. In the midst of his people. And at a certain point in Exodus chapter 33. After a horrible incident. Which is known as the golden calf. Golden calf. Uh, God is like okay I'm finished with this people. My patience is up. And Moses replies. And he's asking for God to just. Hold on. Just to. Just to wait a bit longer. And this is what God responds in Exodus chapter 33. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. In other words, God is like, okay, Moses. I get it. My presence will go with you. And then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not... Send us up from here. In other words, if we should be a people without your presence, it's not even worth it. Don't even take us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? In other words, we are not even your people if your presence is not with us. What else will, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? God, God, you have to come with us. Otherwise, we are not even your people if your presence is not with us. See, I told you that Moses was a guardian of fire. He was a steward of the presence of God. God spoke to him through the fire. And then there was a pillar of fire as Moses led the people out. 
And his greatest task was to make a dwelling place for the presence of God. For the glory of God. And also to equip the people to camp around the presence of God. Now this is truly amazing. God would show up. Imagine two million people camping in the desert. And in the middle there is the tabernacle, the tent where the presence of God was hosted. And a pillar of smoke would descend. And it was visible that these guys, the two million people, they were the people of the presence of God. That was the thing that distinguished them from all of the other nations. And Moses is like, if your presence is not here, I'm out. Don't even take us from here. They had to learn to camp around the presence of God. Their whole life evolved around the presence of God. There was a glory cloud, a pillar of fire, visible, manifested, revealed presence of God. And that happened by the Red Sea. Then it later happened on the mountain of Sinai. And then it happened on the tent of meeting. Just a couple of scriptures. The first one is in, all of them are in Exodus chapter 14. This is by the Red Sea as they were just about to go into the Red Sea that parted. The angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. In other words, as they were about to enter the Red Sea... The glory of God, the presence of God was visibly with them. Then in Exodus 19, this is the time when God would do the covenant with them. Moses tells the people, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. And Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended, descended on it in fire. Imagine the scene. Everybody, everybody knew God is in the camp. God is in our midst. The presence of God is here. And then finally in Exodus 33, this is the time when Moses is asking God, like, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm giving up. And the last picture I want to bring to you, the last point for tonight, and I'm going to continue on this next Sunday as well, is what we call the tabernacle of David. David is... Another great example of someone who loved the presence of God and hosted the presence of God. He's a great biblical model. If you want to love the presence of God, learn from David. What I love about David is that he was just a normal guy, a normal teenager. And he loved God, but he also you know, had his own passions that he had to uh, struggle uh, that he had to overcome. He loved the presence of God, first of all, in his personal life. When you read the book of Psalms, those were the songs he wrote to God from the times in the presence of God. And then, of course, when he became the king, 
much later and he became a public figure, he still loved the presence of God. You know, often people, um, often we actually, we go after God when we are, you know, by ourselves and we're in trouble. But when there is a breakthrough, when things start happening and we get the stage, we forget about the presence of God. But David, he was as passionate for the presence of God when he was just out there by himself as a shepherd boy as when he was the king of Israel. And so what he wanted to do, he wanted to introduce the presence of God to the whole nation. And he brings the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. What was the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant was, it was basically a box that kept the testimony of the presence of God. There was the manna, the supernatural bread that, fed, that, fed, that had fed the people of God in the desert for 40 years. It was like this is a testimony of the miracle that God had done in our lives. Then there was also the stone tablets with the law of God written on it. Symbolic of the word of God. And then there was also the rod of Aaron that had blossomed as a sign of the anointing of God on, on this man. And so what happened here is David is like, yeah, I need to bring the presence of God into Jerusalem. I don't want this to be the city of David. I want, to, I want this to be the city of the presence of God. And it was a painful experience. Many of you know this story. A man actually died in the process. That's for another sermon. But Yuza, the man who tried to carry the presence of God, manipulate the presence of God as the ark was falling down to the ground. He actually died in the process. But then actually, at the end, David got the presence of God into Jerusalem where he reigned. Now, uh, see, we have to be careful not to treat the presence of God as some kind of an amulet. Or talisman, some kind of magic. The presence of God is not a magic thing. Just before David, uh, there was a time when they went into the battle and they would bring the box, the ark, the presence of God with them into the battle, thinking that they, they would get the victory just because the box is with them. And at the same time, their heart was far away. And they lost. The box. You know, when we just have the symbols of the presence of God, but we don't have the presence of God in our midst. That's what happens. People carry all kinds of objects and rocks and stones to give them luck. The presence of God is not like that. It's not, it's not automatic. It's not programmed without holiness or without relationship with God. It's not going to do things just because it's supposed to. There has to be a personal relationship, a personal holiness as we approach God. Back to David, he loved the presence of God. And he made it a priority to host it. Wow. 
And he created a place that we call the tabernacle of David where worship was happening 24-7. I love that. You know, for tonight, um, we're going to stop right here and we're going to just practice what I've been preaching. There was this man who came to church <clears throat> one Sunday and he mingled and uh, nobody noticed him. Nobody shook his hand. Nobody gave him a high five. Nobody gave him chocolate. It must not have been. I'm sure it was not this church. He came the next Sunday and the same thing. Nobody said hi. Nobody noticed him. And he came the following Sunday. And a few Sundays, he got, he got really depressed. He's like, I've been coming to this church. And nobody, nobody is noticing me. No, I mean, nobody's talking to me. And so he was really depressed. He cried. And he said, God, I'm so disappointed. I'll be coming to this church. And nobody even said hi. And then God speaks to him. He's like, my son, don't worry. I've been going to the church for a very long time. And nobody noticed me. That was supposed to be a joke, but it's kind of... It hurts. It hurts. I don't want us to be that church. And I'll talk more about it next Sunday, how to love the presence of God is the church. Because Jesus loves to come where his presence is welcome. I'll tell you a secret. I like to go to places where they like my presence. I love to go, I mean, I visit a lot of people. I love to go to places where they like me. I am sure you are the same way. You hate to go to places where they like, where they ignore you. And you love to go to places where they love you. It's the same with the Spirit of God, with the presence of God. He loves to come to places where we love Him, where we welcome Him, where we host His presence. I wonder if we could stand as we close tonight. And for a moment, we'll just do nothing other than Tell him that you love his presence and just, just, talk, just talk to him. Embrace him. The Bible says, kiss the sun. It may sound strange, but be intimate with Jesus. Be vulnerable with him. Open your heart, your emotions, your insight to him and just... Notice him in the room. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.